been. Where did you dig up that old fossil? Going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. That's not alone. We're all fine here. No, thank you. How are you? Welcome to the Star Wars Nerds Podcast. I'm Dan Vatabonker. And I'm Kenton Larson. And it is time. Pressing buttons here. Hold on. Um, <laughs> it is time for the nerd panel. Uh, somewhat belated this time. We usually do it the day after we all see the new Star Wars movie. Uh, but not everybody got out to see it on opening night. Um, so we have with us Chris Schiffman. Welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, Kelly Stefora. Thank you for having me. And Carson Sampson. Hey, pleasure to be here. Uh, all three of you have been on our podcast before, so thanks for coming back. Um, and we're going to talk about Solo, obviously. That's the elephant in the room. That is the new Star Wars movie. I want to take a minute before we begin, though, in all seriousness, guys. Um, I do want to take a minute here to to uh, to just to mourn the loss of Star Wars because it's over. You guys realize that Star Wars is over, right? Like it's uh, The brand is the, dead. The, is it's dead. I mean, this movie yeah. didn't even make $100 million in this opening weekend. How can it continue? They've can't. They got to cancel the whole thing. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it was the number one movie in the world by a much smaller margin than, it, than the last Star Wars movie was a no, the number one movie in the world. So clearly, it's over. I think I think Episode Four made a hundred million dollars in its first run because uh, movie tickets were cheaper. Oh yeah, back for sure. in the day, yeah, but that yeah. was considered yeah. a smash success. Well, no kidding. No, this, that's what I'm obviously joking, but that, that's the point, right? The the well, um, yeah, but but there's a whole bunch of people who say that online who aren't joking. Well, I know, but no, but the, 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 the what I'm getting to as, are these the listicles and, and clickbait articles that are all like, it's the biggest flop, it's the oh, the first real flop, and blah, 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 and really, I mean, it's doing okay, it's not like, it's not a flop, a flop would be like $20 million opening weekend, a flop would be complete and utter failure, nobody saw it, it's not that. Yeah, um, well, and I always think of a flop as meaning that it didn't make back the money that they spent on it. If right. it doesn't make back its budget, then it's a flaw. But that's right? over I the course think... of its entire theatrical run, right? Of course, right? yeah. So, but it didn't make it back, back its budget in the first three days, so that's a, that's a failure. I'm starting to see headlines. Okay, that was the second wave of headlines, but now the new headlines are actually Solo as a film is pretty good. I saw that headline today. <laughs> yeah. Where I was like, ah, despite what you might have heard, it's actually pretty good. So we've we've sort of come back. We've come full circle, I think, on this thing. But uh, we're going to turn things over to the panel in a second. But why don't we? Um, we want to start by saying, I loved Solo. Uh, I don't <laughs> Dan wanna, liked Solo. I liked it. I, I really wanted to see it again before this panel. I just did not get a chance. I was telling Kelly yesterday, my kids, it was a High Neighbor Festival in Transcona last weekend, and that won out over over one of the movies. Not a good sign. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, and then this weekend, of course, is The Incredibles. So good luck get, trying to get my kids to go see Solo when The Incredibles are on the big screen. So I, I don't know. I don't know when I'm going to go see it again. But I did like it. I did. Like the coming out of the theater, the feeling was that I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good movie. I loved it and I still love it. But we have some guests here. <laughs> and so um, maybe we should start by going around the table. And do, do we want to do the quick one sentence review? And then before we open it up to a broader discussion. So why don't we start with uh, Chris? What do you think? I think Solo is just another, you know, mediocre Ron Howard movie. I I still enjoyed it, but you know, after the afterglow of the film, uh, you just kind of felt like, eh, it was okay. And I think, you know, just that's what the audience reaction was. There was half the moviegoers were like, eh, I'm not going to go see it, and then the half that did see it were like, eh, I mean, but others did love it, and I'm happy that you loved it. So <laughs> I won't be one of those other Star Wars fans who hate you for loving Star Wars. You just alluded to something, though, that I have to follow up on, and that is there was a glow after the initial 
screening. So what happened? To, so you liked it, and then what happened? And then you read the haters. I liked and then it, and then I like, just yeah, I'm a hater too. No, I just got <laughs> reflected on like, well, it just never had the same moments that uh, the previous three modern Star Wars films had, where you had these like, oh, fun moments, or just this kind of thrill ride that I had, or even the laughs. I know you said it was hilarious. I didn't find it that funny. Uh, it was just kind of like, eh, it's okay. But it could also be I saw it on a Saturday afternoon with an empty theater. Uh, <laughs> but that was like it was the opening weekend, wasn't yeah. it? Not it so, was. Yeah. So, so even seeing it yeah. on a Saturday afternoon in an empty theater opening weekend is is quite telling. It was. I was shocked how empty it was. Like and and, and I apart. said that we went on opening yeah. night, very first screening. It was the first time in the modern era that the theater has not been packed for a Star Wars opening. No, it was not. It was not full. No, you but just, but it was it was well attended. But you know the whole front area where no one wants to sit. Like of course. Nobody wants to sit there, so that was empty. But I, I don't think we've seen that before at a Star Wars premiere. But but we saw it with a crowd that actually loved it, that loved it. So that 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 helped. they really did. Like like uh, as I said to Dan in the last scene, people were like laughing. They were loving it. Like they were like ah soaking it up. So that couldn't hurt, of course. So if you saw it in a quiet room, I think just that like, would have an impact. Just like how you saw Avengers with a bunch of kids who didn't care oh, about it. Whereas I what saw what a piece of crap. <laughs> I loved Avengers. <laughs> it's it was terrible. a. You know, oh, you know so opening bad. night crowd. They're into I, it. I think that it's a taste problem you have, Chris. All right, so we'll, <laughs> so we'll, so we'll move to our next. <laughs> like how we move to the next after the insult. Kelly, before I, I'll, I'll save my insult until you're done. Kelly. Uh, I'm going to climb on the fence right between you and Dan. You loved it. Dan liked it. Oh. I liked it a lot. And we did talk about this previously, and I might have given you guys the impression that I didn't like it. The issue that I have with Solo actually doesn't have anything to do with the movie itself. It is a glow issue like Chris brought up. <laughs> but for me it's just that we seem to have officially hit the point of Star Wars saturation where mm. I no longer feel even even in December when I went to see The Last Jedi I still had that my 12 year old self came fully to life and I had that giddy I'm going to see a new Star Wars movie feeling I walked out of The Last Jedi with that giddy I'm going to see a new Star Wars feeling when Solo came along, much to my surprise and chagrin, because Han Solo has long been my favorite Star Wars character, uh, close, well, maybe a close second to Chewbacca, actually. So, oh, um, interesting. So it was strange to me to have, to be going off on a Saturday night to see a new Star Wars movie and to not feel that sort of giddy glow of, I'm going to see a new Star Wars movie now. Uh, that said... I did really like the movie a lot. I have no problems with the movie. I have no problems with any of the performances. Really, really liked the movie. I just miss that Star Wars giddiness that I've had my mm. entire life right up until the weekend that Solo came out. Well, we de part of what we definitely have to talk about is the frequency at which we are getting Star Wars movies. Right. I think that's a big playing a big part. And in we what might we have to talk about whether every Star Wars anthology movie is going to be a heist movie. It's all, yeah, it's all heist. Because they've announced, I'm sure you guys have discussed on the podcast that they announced that James Mangold is making a Boba Fett movie. Yeah. And what can a standalone Boba Fett movie be if it's not going to be a heist movie of some sort? A rom-com. But I'm, yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's a Star Wars version of Midnight Run. He's a bounty hunter. He's yeah. got to bring a guy across the galaxy. And they so have, it's him and hand, Bosk. They're handcuffed? That's right, exactly. Oh, it'll be great. Yes. It's him and Bosk <laughs> at odds. <laughs> Witty banter. Does Bosk speak English? I don't not not that I'm aware of. <laughs> so it'll be subtitled. Yeah. Recipe for gold. Witty banter always works better with subtitles. That's right. right. It always works better with subtitles. Yeah. Well, as as solo proved. 
Right. The witty banter when uh, when uh, Hansel spoke Wookiee. But we'll get, we'll come around we'll, to we'll that magic. To that. And, and sorry, I took us yeah. off on a tangent. No, there, yeah, that was great. I really liked it. We will definitely have a discussion on the frequency of Star Wars films because I do think there is a, a deeper discussion to be had around that for sure. Carson. I think that Kelly captured my sentiment exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I quite liked the movie, but it, it lacked that special feeling that uh, you know, you've come to expect for these big Star Wars films. Uh, so I went to see it on opening night at Grant Park. We went to the, um, the, uh, those comfortable chairs, and so the seating capacity is not as big as those other theaters, but it was packed, and people were engaged and enjoying it. And then last night I took my kids to see it again at Polo Park is mostly empty and that does affect the way you consume the the media the movie right it's it, it affects your your own enthusiasm and uh i thought that i'd like it better after seeing it a second time like last jedi i quite enjoyed it the second time more than the first and and it's good to know that when we went to the first time we were right in the front row on the end of the row so it's like a 30 degree angle viewing this and uh and so there are certain things, aesthetic or otherwise, that I thought would change when I saw it at Polo Park. But uh, no, I think I left feeling about the same. Good film, not bad. I kind of miss that uh, nostalgia that came with knowing you're going to wait at least another two years before that big movie comes to screen. And, and the fact that you won't know, you'll hardly know anything about it in the duration or in the time between, right? All right, so it sounds like we have love, not love, <laughs> like, like, like. Yep. Sounds so, it's right, so yeah. it's a perfect equal balance of the force here. The, the force, are, uh, coincidentally, not mentioned at all mm-hmm. in the solo movie for the first time ever in a Star Wars movie. How about that? Yeah. What do you think? I didn't miss it, to be honest with you. I didn't, uh, it wasn't until afterwards when I was reading, doing my traditional IMDb trivia list reading about the movie that uh, that I realized, yeah, n- no mention of anything relating to the Jedi or the Force. Of course, we did have the big cameo, which might come up in today's discussion as well. We're, we're okay for spoilers, is that all right? Let's do so, it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, let's say. So we have we the, big, the big Darth Maul cameo, which of course hints at the Force, and we have yeah. what I thought was kind of the equivalent of lighting both ends of your lightsaber while you're talking on the phone, just for the kick of it, which didn't make a lot of sense <laughs> to me. But uh, Yeah, but you would do that on FaceTime. Yeah, if, you, if I had a lightsaber and my friend called from yeah. Edmonton, it was, it was for the dummies. and I'd was, light my lightsaber. Yeah, it was for the non-Star Wars fans who didn't know he was still alive. Yeah, uh, that's what that to... was for, just to make sure they knew who it was. Yeah, that's all that was. I think but it that... but... still confused Star Wars fans. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's right. No, I was or not, or like not the hardcore, but just the uh, average moviegoer was like, he died. 1999 what is he doing or here? what i've been getting is what's yeah. the timeline yes on this that's thing? right like people think it's uh, mm-hmm. a phantom menace it takes place yeah. at the same time as phantom menace i was very surprised by the yeah. confusion over that i thought that it was pretty yeah. clear like i thought most diehard fans knew that darth maul you know came back to life and had robot legs and and all that stuff so i was pretty surprised over the confusion it's still a stupid idea i'll just <laughs> on top of everything i don't like the darth maul came back to life that was just Stupid. Well, they should and have then, killed him in the first place. That was yeah, stupid. Yeah, just leave him dead. Yeah, but they saved the stupidity for the animated show. You know what I mean? Like the real stupid, mm-hmm. which is seeing how he comes back is and nothing. We that. Yeah, yeah, we don't need to see that, right? Yeah. How his like his sanity is redeemed. All of that stuff that happens in in the blink of an eye. It's all pretty ridiculous, but it's yeah. sci-fi, I guess. So so mall. We're talking about mall. So uh, I, did it work for you guys? Did it not work? I like the surprise because I was not expecting that. <laughs> Even when there was uh, I saw an article headline of like, there's a cameo that you'll never expect at the end of the movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And then, yeah, I wouldn't expect this character that was killed on, on screen and then brought back in the cartoons would be in this film. And I think uh, Kazdin's son really wanted to put Darth Maul in there from the beginning. And uh, it just felt like a Marvel, uh, you know, tease, like a like after credits thing. They just uh, hint at the next sequel, which is not going to happen now, unfortunately, due to the box office results. So it, but he could be in the Boba Fett movie, but it just kind of felt unnecessary, just like another, oh, we have to do a surprise, you know, just kind of felt forced and it didn't fit with the flow of the movie. They just, and if you were just, the, you know, an average film goer you're like who is this i thought he was dead or who is that you don't even know who he is because you might have forgotten about the phantom menace because you only saw it once you know nearly 20 years ago so i just kind of for the hardcore fans uh, i'm sure they loved it and that's great but just kind of felt eh, you know why not even throw snoke in there and just really troll Mm -hmm. the star wars fans let's throw snoke (laughs) and blow up everyone's theories and like wow how does he fit in here just do that instead he's been around since before a new hope (laughs) see he's been around yeah, that, exactly. And yeah. manipulating behind the Pulling scenes. The but we've already had that guy. That's the problem with that. My yeah. other pr- problem was that it's Han Solo's girlfriend works for Darth Maul now. Han Solo's other girlfriend, you know, her dad is Darth Vader. So they have this two, you know, one degree separation from uh, Darth Sidious or Darth Maul. It's just like, how does Han Solo have all this luck of his girlfriend? Well, and you also, know? I mean, even to begin with, Han Solo's probably not probably the guy you'd be a little bit nervous about bringing home to introduce to your parents. You know, here's my new boyfriend, Han Solo. Um, He's a good but, guy. But when that parent is Darth Maul, yeah. or when that overseer is Darth Maul, right? How about you, Carson? What did you think about Maul's return? Uh, my kids loved it, and mm-hmm. they recognized his voice instantly. Really? Because they, they watched Clone Wars and Rebels over and over and over again. And so, like them, I, I, I kind of watch that. Uh, I read the comics, so I've got sort of this deeper connection as you guys would with with the universe and my wife who predominantly lives through the saga films and whatever comes to a movie theater she had no clue what to expect and who that was and she could take it or leave it and i think a lot of the audience felt that way right because of the disconnect but it was sort of cool we'll see where it goes I do appreciate that it was a surprise. I like mm-hmm. Chris said that you know, on Twitter to me the other day and I'm like yes it was the one true surprise in the film, like what, what? And but it was the cool thing for me was that the slow realization because I didn't know who he was immediately. He had the hood on. I'm like, is this is this uh, Palpatine? Like I didn't know what was going on here. And then to have that reveal, I, I don't think they needed the lightsaber. Like that was kind of no. like, oh, how many other guys with <laughs> yeah. horns are there in the Star Wars universe? It's very clearly Darth Maul. But just to make sure the dummies knew uh, who it was. Um, and I'm I I mean yeah, he can tie into. The uh, the Boba Fett or or the Obi Wan. I think it would be interesting to have him in the Obi Wan film if the Obi Wan film takes place between uh, in this same time frame, which I imagine it will, sometime between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Um, then put put Maul in there. Maybe that's what they're setting it up for. He's going to be the villain in the Obi Wan movie. Yeah, I think the sequels that we'll get, like Chris, you said, we we're not going to get solo sequels. That's true. We probably won't. But I think the sequels will will just be encompassed in, like, an Obi-Wan movie. So do you and, think uh, they're going to tie Boba Fett and Obi-Wan and sort of make it a trilogy of anthology movies? It almost seems like that's where it's headed to me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. What yeah. do you What do you guys... I think that's what they would like to do, and, and yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about it. It's not really a big deal, but it's it's not their, it's not been their thing, right? It's been a Marvel style of, of storytelling, so... We'll but it, it it's also style yeah. storytelling that hasn't worked for anybody else except Marvel. True. <laughs> like, you're like, right. DC yeah. has tried it. Uh, even Universal tried to launch theirs with the Mummy last year. That failed miserably. So 
I don't know that anybody else can do it except for Marvel. They have the right story, like the structure of, of comic books mm-hmm. and all their, their entire universe is kind of built for that, whereas Star Wars is not built for that, yep. right? So, uh, I don't know. Well, but although they're building it for that. Well, they are now, yeah. but, but... It feels a little forced, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> no, intend well, that pun. Yeah. That's a great pun. And with regard to Darth Maul, it seems to me that... that they sort of took the opportunity of him having been resurrected in Clone Wars and, and having appeared in Rebels to say, okay, we can we can get him back into this cinematic universe, if you will, now, mm-hmm. right? And I think they're realizing it was a mistake to kill him off in the first yeah. uh, prequel movie. I agree, but if they're going to keep it, like if they want to put him in an Obi-Wan movie, doesn't that become a little bit problematic? Because I've only watched the Clone Wars and Rebels once, so maybe I'm not that great of a Star Wars fan. But in the don't they establish sort of through his resurrection um, and rehabilitation for lack of a better term in Clone Wars and then his storyline in Rebels that he spent a lot of that interim looking for Obi-Wan and trying to figure out where Obi-Wan was Mm -hmm. and then in Rebels he finally finds him right Mm -hmm. so to have him and Obi-Wan appear together in an Obi-Wan movie that takes place between that time it kind of blows the storyline that they covered in Rebels. I think. I think, I think the intent is to show the storyline that nobody watched on Rebels. Right. And, and, and just yeah. hope nobody picks it up. Or well, no, they're just well maybe they'll again. just redo yeah. it show. live action. Right. We'll, do, we'll give yeah. you live action style. Like you see the cartoon version. Right. But I mean, to have that showdown in live action is something we've not seen. I guess so. But it's, it's never a, bit of a letdown, right? Because we, know, we exactly know exactly how it ends. And, and that's the problem. And with I all thought of it was very well done in Rebels. Particularly the last episode and last scene where they finally come face to face i thought it was very well done and how understated it was and how the actual fight took place um Mm -hmm. i couldn't see them bettering that in a live action movie personally so i agree but they could just redo it in live action i don't know and i think that's part of the problem with these films that we've we've watched over the last couple of years is that we know the outcome we know the end result to all of these characters including maul right and so there's there's less at stake. What can they do with Chewbacca, like hanging from the side of the train? We know we're going to pull Chewbacca back in. We know no one's at any real risk. Uh, I think we still enjoy the films, but uh, if we could move into a new generation, a new era of the universe where there's, like we do in you know, seven, eight, nine, where there's a lot more at risk. We don't know where the story's going and there's excitement there. Right. And and that's the promise we get from the announcement that Ryan Johnson is going to do mm-hmm. another trilogy, right? And that the uh, the Daves from Game of Thrones. <laughs> the Daves. Uh, These are the Daves I know I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And okay. they're they've also they're doing are they doing movies or a TV show? I don't I don't remember. No, it's John Favreau's doing the TV Favreau's show. Doing oh, TV. Favreau's doing TV, of course. He's yeah. the voice of the four armed characters, yes. you know. Which yes. it took no. me until the credits yeah. to figure out yeah. I'm, I'm Oh sort of yeah, it'd be really cool yeah, if he I was like, I this know TV that show voice. As, that, as that character. You know, it's kinda like the Crypt Keeper. He introduces the <laughs> yes. show as yeah. Yeah. Oh, it'd be awesome. Okay, let's get back to solo. Um let's start with this. What did you guys hate about this movie? Pick one thing that you hated more than anything else in this film. Start with uh, Carson. Okay, I hope I don't steal anybody's notes, but I was uh, frustrated with the aesthetic. And and I, I mentioned earlier how I was in the first row, and I thought some of the stuff I was seeing was just a, you know, a, side, a side effect of where I was sitting, or maybe it's a side effect of me having some terrible cataract that I'm not yet aware yeah. of. <laughs> but I really felt like it was just desaturated, low contrast, generally really cloudy certainly that dark. opening opening seg- yeah. sequence with uh with uh you know whatever uh the caterpillar lady and uh oh, yeah. and yeah. the uh yeah. um oliver 
kind of thing. Oliver Twist. I think um, I would have liked highs and lows. Like, let's come out of that environment into something brighter with some. Did you find? Did you find that? So you found that throughout the whole throughout film. the whole film, and it oh, may just be my my interpretation of it. But. I don't think it's your interpretation of it at all, actually, because my understanding, based on a an article I read, that I should I should be better as an educator about where I'm getting my information <laughs> from. It might have been a BuzzFeed article or something like that. Uh, but there was an interview with a cinematographer whose name is Bradford Young who actually has built a career on experimenting with low-light photographic mm-hmm. techniques. So it's, it's his mandate and his shtick, if you will, uh, to do low-light photography. Uh, it, it's, the, it's a great interview with him um, that, where he sort of talks about the thinking behind this and what he was studying in school and how he's trying to sort of establish a new school of cinematography that believe it or not is more diverse. Like the idea is that all of the, the look of all the movies he shoots is based on what his grandmother's apartment in Chicago looked like when he right. was growing up. So he was purposefully um, using low light techniques and experimenting with that type of photography. And that was one of the reasons he was hired for the movie. So I don't think it's in your mind at all. I think it's just something that didn't work for you. That's like the most niche of niche aesthetics, right? No My kidding. grandmother's yeah. apartment and like how... <laughs> Do it, we perceive that and accept that and receive it as an audience, right? Like it's Absolutely, so yeah. And how does he incorporate that into everything he does? And he specifically mentions this, the first Sabak scene that introduces Lando and said, my goal in that scene was to make it look and feel like my grandmother's kitchen. Mm. And he says he feels like he succeeded. So now Good we know him. what his grandmother's kitchen was like. <laughs> Why was she hanging out with those people? <laughs> Why did she have aliens with <laughs> eye stalks in her kitchen? Yeah. That's right. But uh, but yeah, it's, um, so so apparently that was the deal, is that mm. this guy is was deliberately using low-light techniques. And, and, just yeah. a couple last comments about the aesthetic. is um, There were many times when I just couldn't get past his Ace Ventura hair. Uh, and, and many times it was a little more tame, and then he'd be out in the wind, and you'd get a real uh, look at it. A and little bit like, of a That's lift crazy. on the pompadour. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then his voice, I've never seen, is Aiden, how, how do you say his last name? Aaron Reich. Aaron Reich. Aaron Reich. Yeah. I've, I've never seen him in any of their films, so I don't know if that's his normal delivery, but I was kind of getting a little bit annoyed with it, thinking like it really felt like a forced Harrison uh, impersonation, perhaps. And everything was dripping with sarcasm, you know, and I thought maybe that's his normal delivery and I just need to get over it, but it felt a little strange at times. That's it. All right. Uh, what did you hate, Kelly? Uh, my hates are much more specific than Carson's. Let's hear them. There is one thing in particular that, that I really hated through the whole movie, and that was the establishment of why his last name is Solo. Oh, <laughs> that is a good one. That yeah. was the worst was part lame. of the whole yeah. movie for me. I think they could just cut that scene. When and he, the movie would actually mm-hmm. gain. Yeah, from I think it. When, when he gets out of there is when the movie takes off. Yes, yes. that's when I was yeah. like, "Oh, and this is yeah. good." But the leading up to I that, I, w- I didn't think it was so good. And including why did, that, sorry, yeah. why yeah. did we need that? Yeah, why? Did I we... think I think it might actually be the only time in the entire movie that his last name is even mentioned. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Right, and it's so some. Well, they mentioned Random. a little bit later because in Kira, is, she eyebrow raised like, oh, that's weird. You're solo now. Kind oh, of right. Deal. Okay. It's, so, it's very so they do, uh, obtuse, so, right? It's not. And it's yeah. almost just to support the fact yeah. that he didn't right. have the name before, right? Mm-hmm. So so to have some anonymous imperial recruitment officer decide, oh, you've decided today that you're in a bad mood and you don't want to talk about your family? Well, then we're going to call you Solo. And then just, he, I mean, he kept the name for the rest of his life. He could have changed I'm it cool to anything. That. Exactly. After you left yeah. the Empire, the rest of his life. Yeah. It just seemed to fit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. I didn't care for that. So I didn't like. But that. that's yeah. the Rogue One moment. Yeah, that's right. the uh, Rogue, 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 Rogue One. If you just drop those yeah. moments. That'd be great. Well, it's like, stop that ship. 
that was Bodhi. They just called themselves right? Rogue One. Yeah. Um, and and he had had the brainwashing monster that just makes you <laughs> momentarily depressed. Yeah. As it turns out, well, he's like, think... oh, it's quite irreversible. But but it just makes you sad for a bit. Then you pop up in your improving names yeah. like left and right, like. It You're the makes, smartest guy yeah. in the crew. Well, now. and exactly, and I <laughs> think right. I mentioned we'll this. Let you fly the ship. <laughs> I think I mentioned this when we talked about Rogue One on the podcast. But but yeah, if if you're you're trying to escape or you're trying to get past the Imperial, why would you choose Rogue One instead of say Loyalist One, yeah. complacent or, one, or complacent <laughs> one? Yeah, complacent. It's even got a nice little double entendre ring to it. <laughs> Anything except I'm a rebel, right? So I, yeah, but, respect. But that's we a respectfully decline to, to engage one. But if Serbian. I may take advantage of the segue, <laughs> that's one. In terms that's of things movie. that just seemed out of place and underexplained, the other thing that bothered me was Tobias Beckett wearing Lando's Jabba the Hutt disguise. Oh, I love that. Oh, that was awesome. kind of a cool callback. Yeah, right? yeah, and I mean, not not to not to discount all the all the man from Uncles and Mission Impossible's of the world, but. I, I had the I've always had the impression that Lando wore that outfit specifically to be a Jabba Palace guard in disguise mm. when they were trying to save Han in Han, sorry, in, in Return of the <laughs> Jedi. Um, and now he puts the same costume on to infiltrate it's just this whatever's slave laying training. around so, in the ship. Yeah. So are there just like is there just sort of is it like some kind of security company that exists through the outer rim that all wear these uniforms, and that's why it works. And any, so, I just I couldn't figure I out why it would work in both situations. His walk-in closet is well established. Yeah. Or he has a what tic- else do you need? Yeah, he's got all a, those cakes. He's got a tickle trunk. And just right. like, what am I going to dress up here? You can wear this, Tobias. <laughs> I loved that they looked at the capes and they had like the really kind of the blue cape with the clouds on it that looked like really and I was like that one jumps right out at you and I was like that looks like a bizarre cape and then that's the one that he's wearing in the last scene of the movie so that was kind of. I think that's um, you know alluding to Cloud City and the mm-hmm. and his future, of course, as a, yeah. as a you know whatever. Yeah, he did. So, your turn, Chris. So, what did you dislike the most? Everything. What I what I disliked <laughs> was the I guess the plot of the film, and that <laughs> I hated the plot, and that all the important things about Han's life happened in this one week period, and it's in the two hour movie. He meets Chewbacca. He meets Lando. He. Uh, learns his lesson about like shoot first and don't trust anyone he wins the falcon like all these kind of like lessons and life events that happened to him just like just happened in this one week period and i know you know maybe you have a very eventful week we've all had a very eventful (laughs) week in our lives but everything we know about him in like a new hope uh, you know kind of an empire strikes back it's like oh this this is all going to happen in one week time on this one heist basically you know essentially so that was i thought like it would have been much better if the movie had uh, started, and he already ha- knows Chewbacca. They're already friends, and maybe he already has met Lando. If they kind of just, you know, that kind of classic Indiana Jones where they jump into the adventure right away, hands already on a, a you know his own adventure instead of this you know car chase through the you know the garbage city. Um, but uh, so I felt that it was just kind of and the Kessel Run as well. That was the other thing. Like he did the Kessel Run, like. Why do we have to cram all these things into one movie? We, I would rather just, again, leave my imagination, leave the mystery there, or maybe have him not reach the Kessel Run in the less than 12 parsecs. Oh, he only did it in 18. And so because there's, is there an advisory board that kind of oversees Kessel Runs? Because <laughs> yeah. who like can confirm this? There's just Han, just Han saying, yeah, I did it in 12 parsecs. Who else was there? My friend Chewbacca. There's no, like, and why were you there? Oh, we were stealing fuel from the mine. Like, he'd get arrested. They'd, like, everyone would be out for him. So I don't know how you could also, like, is Lando for one week just kind of like, that's the ship that made the Kessel yeah. Run in 12 parsecs. And everyone Marketing campaign. Yeah, like, why well, you were there? Oh, you're just there for 
for fun, you know. I like, like that idea. It could have been 18 parsecs, and then he thinks, well, they, I can they beat said that. it couldn't be done less yeah. than 20, and I did 18. So next time we need a smuggling shortcut, we're going for 12 chew. Yeah. That would have been good, actually. I think for this, if they had done a sequel, then there's pretty much they could do whatever because you know, other than meeting Jabba the Hutt, yeah, all these other life events have there's been covered. nothing left. Yeah. All of the boxes got ticked. Yeah, that was, that was yeah. my like I checked. It was like all these check boxes that you had mentioned about Avengers or uh, Black Panther. Yeah. Uh, this was the same thing. Checkbox of like he meets all this. He helps fund. I, you know, I will say I was surprised there was no Boba Fett, and he somehow funded the Rebel Alliance. Other yeah. than that, yeah. Now, yeah, I think that's probably other than the opening sequence, which I didn't care for. I think that's my least favorite part Mine too. is that connection that he he gave them the money we don't need it all to tie together like this and, and yeah you know that that's kind of the thing i don't a lot of people online are having an issue with the character of han solo as depicted of him being generous enough to give them the money and blah 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 and he's a scoundrel but i don't think he's a scoundrel yet i think this is that he's still young and naive and and he's you know kind of burned by his his girlfriend so this is the beginning of like the decline for him as far as his personality goes so and i think they kind of address that in the movie and, and what was actually one of my favorite little scenes in the movie was the little conversation he has with kira when he meets her in uh in that place paul yeah. bettany's dryden his apartment dryden, dryden boss, boss. yeah <laughs> uh, when she meets him there and 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 they have a discussion about what's been going on and he says well i'm an outlaw baby i added the baby but it was it was implied uh and she says uh she says you're not an outlaw you're the good guy and i thought that kind of scene that really worked for me because that sort of sums up his character han solo was a character who thinks he's a lot more badass than he actually is when it comes down to being in the moment and deciding morally what he needs to do next. He always does the right thing. We've known that since the end of A New Hope. Right? And I think another, another, just to go back to the online discussion, that's another issue people have had with it where they, they, they think in their minds he, he's never done the right thing. And the moment in A New Hope where he does is the first time. That's what people seem to oh, think. Oh, yeah. Right? That's that was, valid. That, mm-hmm. That's the character um, um, making the decision to come back and help Luke. Yep. That's that moment. So they don't realize that, no, he could, have, he could always do this. Like, it could be something he's just always there for people when he, yeah. need, he need to be. But I don't know. I think the, the big issue, kind of, if we could move the discussion to the online reaction, which is like... I know, we're gonna have to have a whole other episode about the Star Wars fandom right now. Because we never asked them what they loved about it. We oh, we'll, just no, for we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I've got a plan. I've got a plan. We'll get Sith to that. Lord doesn't have to be doesn't have to be like so cookie cutter, Kenton. We don't have to check off the boxes. Um, <laughs> you just want to concentrate on the negative. No, no, no. I, I just I just, <laughs> just trying to flip it around. Okay, um, but yeah, like a lot of people, what they don't what they really don't like about this movie is that it messed with their preconceived notions about who Han Solo is, right. and they don't like the story that they came up with. Uh, I saw someone, um, a friend of mine, just saw it last night. She posted a big long thing on Facebook about it, saying that she really, she loved the original, like the original story, which is non-canon now or never was canon, is that he served with distinction in the uh, Imperial Navy and um, and then was discharged because he rescued Chewbacca, who was a slave. They didn't do it that way in the movie, and so people are upset that they didn't do it that way. But I'm okay with that. I don't. We don't need to have that story told this, the exact same way. So that's the issue. I think most people are just kind of pissed that Han, it's not the Han Solo I love. Can we can we can we pause here for just a second? <laughs> yeah. I've got some thoughts related to what we've been saying as yeah. far as our perception and our um, how we cherish Han Solo the character. Mm-hmm. I agree completely with Chris in that. I think they checked way too many boxes, but at the same time, it did give us a an inside look, a new perspective of what what Han Solo is. But what I've really wrestled with in the last like 
few hours since seeing it the last time is is funny how like our perception of solo as a character is a rough around the edges good guy hero versus just imagine how he's perceived in universe because think about this for a few minutes right from an in-universe perspective he has to be the worst smuggler ever because he's (laughs) first off that coaxum for lady proxima and now we know Mm -hmm. as fans and as an audience that he held back and kept the, the coaxum but he failed there then he fails at the train heist, right? Again, noble deed, but still. Uh, and then the coaxum for Dryden, big fail. I mean, you know, he did the right thing. And then, of course, we know all about the drop shipments in episode four and, and, and his reputation as being this crap smuggler. So I, I've been sort of wrestling with this whole idea of, like, how we see Han Solo and how what's endearing about him to us would make him, like, completely ineffective in the role he's supposed to play in this Star Wars universe. So anyway, that's no, a really good that's point. Good point. Not to that. mention the uh the uh when the confrontation in um in the Force Awakens when he runs into like the uh what's it? Oh right, ca- he loses uh, Kanji club and, and those guys are like yeah. Yeah. What have I ever done you wrong? Twice or yeah. whatever. What was the second time? Like that whole thing he does, he screws up a lot. He's terrible. And why would a guy who has a well-established reputation for having to drop shipments yeah. take on such dangerous cargo as the cargo that he takes on in The Force Awakens. It's bounced all over the place. Because you know. Because he talks his way yeah. out of it every yeah. time. Because eventually you're just going to have to drop these things into space and they're going to cause chaos for some other planet or situation. The environmental right? damage Han Solo has done alone. It's ridiculous. Well, and sort of stemming from that, it implies at the end of the movie that he's going straight off to meet Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, this is going to end and, all. And you're this right. takes place 10 years before A New Hope, according to what so I read. So a decade, yeah, he's got about so he's a decade. He's got a decade of working at least on and off for Jabba the Hutt before. Well, depending on what happens, or yeah, he drops that first shipment and he's been on the run for almost a decade. No, he wouldn't I, be I, on I, Tatooine. I, he, he yeah, he yeah. Would, why would he still yeah. be on Tatooine? Well, well but the, that, that, that's that begs the question: Why was he on Tatooine during the mm-hmm. uh, uh, A New Hope? Because he'd already Greedo comes up to him right in that famous mm-hmm. scene, and and Jabba's already pissed about it. So why is he why is he back on Tatooine, which is right, right in Jabba's backyard? He's trying to get people yeah. to fly on his ship so he can pay back Jabba. I guess so. I guess yeah. so. And I guess that's also now. I guess uh, let me ask you guys this: as far as the character of Beckett goes, is it was Beckett too close to the Han Solo we know? It seems to me that that's what they're doing. Han Solo mm-hmm. is trying to emulate his behavior after Beckett, who he only knows for a week, yeah. but then like becomes his hero and his mentor. Um, and so that Beckett to me is is Han Solo of of our childhood. Like that is yeah. exactly the same as Han Solo. I remember. So Let's just remember Raiders of the Lost Ark for a second. Where uh, in the third chapter, when uh, River Phoenix meets basically Indiana Jones, and <laughs> he gives that's, that's right. right that's yeah. right. Here's yeah. the hat that will define the rest of your well, life. Well, and I was kind of surprised you. that in Solo we didn't get any explanation of the scar. Oh, like talking about things it's being a, established. Well, we know it's start, a whip. They did make sure he had the scar, but they didn't do anything to explain the scar. Ah, uh, we don't need some childhood trauma. That, yeah. yeah, to justify that two times in different universes. That's right. It's yeah. a whip. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How do, how I guess in so yeah, like, his dad hit him. You know, it's too like, dark. Like um, Sal Guerrero's uh, lazy eye or something. You know, like, like <laughs> but I really wanted them to explain the scar in regarding Henry. Yeah. That was my. They didn't explain the story. <laughs> but back to Tobias Beckett, I think those are all, all very valid points that, for me, were completely overwashed by the fact that it was Woody Harrelson. Mm. He was so good. And can oh. we just marvel at a moment at the fact that you can just drop Woody Harrelson yeah. into yeah. any movie, any genre, any situation? He's essentially playing Woody Harrelson most of the time. 
but it always works. Like I'm mm-hmm. loved it. I'm yeah. just I'm Me thinking too. next time I take my daughter to see a My Little Pony movie, they might just drop Woody Harrelson in there, and I'm fully confident that it'll work. Yeah, a bunch of animated ponies like and Woody Harrelson, and he will fit. I was happy that Woody Harrelson was such a a big part now of the Star Wars universe. Yeah, my, like I thought this is this is good for him. He's due. He's great. He was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved him too, and, and and it wasn't as on the nose as our friend in uh our Raider in uh what's the third one Last Crusade. Yeah, who who basically was. It, he looked exactly like Indiana Jones, mm. right? Right. Like, like could, there is a direct comparison to be made in that little intro. Yeah. Like what they spent five minutes on in the Last Crusade. Because Beckett gave Han Solo his blaster, which apparently he's never, you know, changed it's or the he, same you know, one. Same, yeah. which is actually a rifle, but he's never kitted it out to be a rifle again, right? Yeah. yeah. He yeah. did. Yeah, he did take it apart there. Yeah. In the scene. Mm-hmm. He takes the stock off and then tosses people, it in. Home. People made too big of a deal out of that scene. Like uh, someone was. I was talking to somebody on Twitter about it, and he's like, oh, they didn't need to, to push in. Like, there was a, a push in and a focus on the gun or something. I don't know that they did. I don't remember that it part of it. They kind of highlighted a little bit. They made, yeah. it, they made, there's just made a, sure to look at you know, This is what he's doing. Like, pay attention. But yeah, it was just and like he throws Beckett. it to Han, and then there's a quick cutaway, and it lands in Han's lap, and there's a quick close-up cutaway that this is the gun. And then because they didn't have to on. do that, because like here's your black, like it just handed the weapon to him, but yeah. they showed him. But I, the part I thought that his reaction was more of a, oh cool, I've got a blaster now. Like that was that was Han's, like that's what he's trying <laughs> yeah. to do is like right. this, I'm I'm awesome now. Like this is you know that that was the reaction I saw. Evan, you know, they gave that whatever Chewbacca wears. They, you know, they gave the that bandolier. Bandolier again, Chewbacca. Ah, I'm never gonna change. This is my life for the. This is me for the rest of my life. I'm wearing this. Yeah, but yeah. even the, but in in Just Force like Awakens, Indiana Jones's little satchel. Force Awakens, he hands Ray the silver gun <laughs> for no reason. Weird looking gun, and it's yeah. never really paid it's off. A dryer. Uh, yeah, it's never paid off as being anything, but there's the same moment you were talking about, Chris, where they're like, pay attention to this gun. <laughs> and it's like, really has never paid off. Like, it's just, okay, yes. I'm paying attention to it. It's silver, so it's yeah. it's noteworthy. And, and I think the much. whole point is we, we need the kids to know which gun this is for when yeah. they're standing in Walmart. Yeah. yeah I and think- they see it on the shelf. They've got to know that's Ray's gun. Right, some truth. To that. Right, but movie tell, storytelling tells you that if you're doing yeah. that, then then somewhere like this is going to pay off at some point. Right, right. the old uh, adage of if there's a gun in the first act of a play, it's gonna, someone's got shot in the last act of the play. Yeah, and so yeah. we don't really well, that that they they did hide it in the lid of the coaxium container, but I, yeah. I don't know that that necessarily was a big payoff at all. It's not just really because they a, saw it, they knew it was there. Yeah. Yeah. Han's gun, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, what did you guys love? Seriously, what did you guys love about it? I want to know. Chris, what did you love about it? So one thing you loved. I loved uh, seeing more of Chewbacca and seeing his story. He yeah. wasn't just this little like sidekick that kind of like you know complains and does something on the side. In the other movies, he actually had a, a bit of an arc, and he had his uh, moments to either stick with Han or go with his people, and he stuck and he stuck with Han. Uh, so I thought it was great to just kind of see more of him and. Uh, see where he, you know, where he ended up. Like, I didn't really care for him appearing in episode three. Uh, again, that yeah. was forced and just mm-hmm. like eye rolly. But uh, this one, it kind of felt appropriate, and uh, it was just, you know, get to see more of him. It kind of strengthens a new hope, where you have this, you know, you kind of like seeing this character in Solo, and now you get to see him in a smaller role in A New Hope. I, I enjoyed seeing Chewbacca get a, a bigger role. No life death, though. No, wow. I, does that? Is no, that like, bad? I what? think. Well, they just they probably go back and forth. Like I, I you know, you, you save me and I save me again. So I'll just get you the on. next time. Is the life debt canon? I believe the life well, debt is canon because they um... they address it in one of the aftermath novels, which is titled 
Okay. Like, Aftermath okay. Life Debt. Okay. And it's about Han and Chewie going saying, back and liberating tri- Kashyyyk. In the original trilogy, did they ever it. refer to him having a life debt? He was just Han's buddy. That's no, all I ever I, got from I think it. Ben mentions it in the cantina, doesn't he? Chewbacca here owes Han a life debt? Maybe I'm just uh, dreaming maybe. that. Uh, Which begs the question of how would Obi-Wan know that. I says the word's life debt, no, it, does he? Maybe not. It just might have just happened in like one of the comic books or novels, and it just kind of spread out. Yeah, I feel like I've always life. been aware of it, but I can't track it back to a specific moment. No, neither can I. Trilogy. It's, yeah, it's probably something I'd I like read. to adopt in real life, like from now on. <laughs> if if Han, I owe Kent in a life debt. Yeah, <laughs> we all do. <laughs> um, uh, you just reminded me of something, and that is okay. So if Han and Chewie are on Tatooine for ten years, and so's Kenobi. Kenobi's there over the same time period. When Kenobi and Chewie meet up at Mos Eisley Cantina, they might already know each other. Right? Han so can't maybe, know him. Maybe Han there's something else to man. tell in the Obi-Wan movie, right? Maybe this is going to mm-hmm. be in a trilogy and we will get a story about Obi-Wan on Tatooine meeting Chewbacca through some crazy set of circumstances. But it can't be Han. He can't meet Han. Yeah, and it would have to Han's be a story, right. essentially, about him doing something to protect the Skywalkers. Right. Or protect Luke and Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen without revealing to them that he's there or something, right? So it would have to be another kind of subterfuge heist movie of yeah. sorts. Doesn't really sound all that exciting to me, though. No. Yeah. That's no. that's the problem. Then you but we'll get to see him other... meet Chewie. That's true. I think well, it's just time beast, to get out beast. of this time yeah. frame. I think we need to move ahead or something. I agree. I agree with yeah. you. I think there are too many, although, you know, you enjoy the callbacks and little Easter eggs that are in these movies um, that, oh, yes, that's from this movie. But I th- I agree that we need to move beyond the, um, you know, this time period of time. We need to go either way into the past or into the future um, because, yeah, we already know this stuff and we don't need to see it. I, so I guess I do kind of agree with you, Chris, in, the, in a way we don't need to see all this stuff played out on the screen. Um, yeah, it needs to serve a purpose other than to show us, oh, this is how this happened. Yeah, right? I, I think you could have nostalgia fatigue. Like, I think... Yeah. That could That's be an true. issue too, like because obviously nostalgia didn't win the day for the solo film, right? I mean, I think that was a pr- part of the problem of the film is that the tr- they had the trailer and there was nothing, you know, exciting or uh, there's no X factor. It's like, oh, it looks like he meets Chewie and he gets the Falcon. There was, you know, they've seen uh, prequels just don't do well at the box office, so yeah. there was no mystery or oh, what's going to happen here, or even like at least Rogue One had more of that kind of relied on the imagery of the Death Star and. Uh, stormtroopers and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. There was at least like that kind of X factor of oh, there's gonna do, you know, seven of the. But this was just kind of eh, it seems like an adventure film, and I don't. There's no Harrison Ford, and I don't like the casting, and it just didn't. I think appeal to a lot of people because it's like eh, it's, we've seen this before. Like I already know. I don't care. I think also in the marketing they're afraid to show Han. Mm-hmm. I think that was the other problem. Like they're they're like I don't think this like this might not work. So let's just show. Let's show this other stuff, and it gave people a different impression of what the movie might the marketing be hiding. Was very, much, very much pulled back. They did not do as big of marketing push as they usually do. And the do. jokes in the trailers to me were awful. Were not did not land. Whereas the movie itself, I thought they did like the chewy the shower scene, and you know, like some of that stuff was hilarious. But in the trailer, I didn't get the sense of the tone of the film, and maybe that's a problem too with the marketing. But anyway, mm-hmm. Kelly, what did you love? Sorry. Well, my my first choice, and the thing I was thinking about talking about. Crystal. Uh, so, and I was going to say that that I loved that this is the first Star Wars movie where Chewbacca has agency, mm. where he's not basically a glorified pet or a sidekick, right? Even it even bothered me at the end of Force Awakens when we've got the big climax and Leia comes off the ship, rushes right by Chewie to give Ray a hug. This person she's never met before. 
I would have thought she would want to console Chewie a little bit after after they both lost Han, you know what I mean? But anyway, so I, I loved in this movie that uh, that Chewbacca became a real boy, and he had decisions <laughs> to make, and he, had, he, he was sort of following his own bent at points. Uh, I love the scene in, in the, the slave trader sequence where uh, Chewie sees other enslaved Wookiees and sort of turns to Han, and it's like, it's it's what I got to do, man. They're my people. I've got to go help them. And Han says, you go do your thing. All of that stuff I loved. Mm-hmm. But, but Chris, I think, covered that fairly well. So if I may, um, I'll add one other quick thing that I really liked was one of those ticked box Easter egg things, but one that I wasn't expecting, and that was that... L337 becomes, in essence, the Millennium Falcon's personality and pays off one little line way back in A New Hope where C-3PO refers to the fact that the Millennium Falcon has a strange dialect, right? Or, or is, Oh, I didn't catch that. Kind of, point. yeah. And there was, there was I feel like it, this might not have been one of the actual films. This might have been in a comic or some kind of ancillary thing I read, but I feel at one point that C-3PO also pointed out that the Millennium Falcon was kind of cranky. Hmm. When he was trying to communicate it with yes, it, I don't I know if it was one of the that. movies, and that's all paid bo- off by L three three seven's personality being uploaded yeah. into the navigational system, which I thought was a really I neat think, little fan service Easter egg. Personally. People, I I don't know why people are upset about L three. I think she was a great character, interesting, mm-hmm. funny, um, but people are making way too big of a deal out of the so-called romantic relationship between. Lando and L3. Like, it's, come on, it's guys. It's a toss-off it's joke. It's it's a, a, yeah. yeah, like, people are reading way too much into this. It's, but it's, just like that one line that C-3PO says about the Millennium Falcon having a strange dialect and being kind of cranky, you can't put a toss-off joke in, into the Star Wars universe without everybody tearing it to pieces and parsing it out until it's just mashed into dust, right? So they must have been aware of that. I don't know. All right, But Carson. that brings me to my third favorite thing, Donald Glover. <laughs> I think we can just leave it at saying yes. that. Well, yes. he was featured prominently in the marketing campaign, but then in, in the final film, he's not in it as much as really not as what much I as thought. I was expecting. But yeah. I thought that was kind of good. Just like I think Boba Fett is cooler, the less we know about Boba Fett, I thought having Donald Glover not overusing him mm-hmm. made him that much better in this movie. Like they should have made him hate clouds. I hate clouds. I want nothing to do with them. They're moist. They get into things. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. And then later on, it's like, how ironic. Tell you what I'm never going to do. I'm never going to mine gas. <laughs> that's, that's right. Because yeah. that's where clouds are. And yeah. I hate them. Yeah. It's well established. Carson. So I have three favorite characters. And uh, we've touched on two of them. L337 is really cool. She may have been a little bit over the top with the freedom fighting and the equal rights for the droids. But... That was the shtick. And I That's thought, the perfect droid for the Me Too era. It's yeah, perfect, right. right? I thought she was a very cool character. And uh, I also liked uh, Donald Glover as, as Lando. The weird thing is it's when you're doing an imitation of a well-known character, when you're in a biopic, and now I'm playing Ray Charles, and I do a pretty good Ray Charles. It is an <laughs> oh. indication of your acting ability, I suppose, but it's also imitative, right? It's a little weird, mm. but he was perfect. And... and uh, he did bring a little depth to that character. We got to see a little bit more about him. And I, even when he's not acting, they did a good job of giving you an indication of what he's like. Perfect scene for this was when uh, Han calls a bluffer when he, when he bluffs that. Oh, he's got yes. 30 troopers, to hired hands in that freighter. Another of my favorite moments right. in the movie. And then, and then the Donald Glover character, or, Han, or Lando, just flies off, right? And that... That speaks to the character of Lando. It was, it was funny. It was fantastic. Okay, then the third character I really loved 
was the captain of the Marauder, Marauders, the uh, Enfys Nest uh, mm-hmm. masked character, and just sort of the you saw that character as a pretty evil uh, character at the beginning. The, the the electric voice was very cool, and then it, I think we all kind of knew via the internet that this was going to be a female character. But I did it was not. Still, no, it, no. Yeah, I thought I I, yeah. I I thought it could be, yeah. but I didn't. I had no sense and, that it would be. And then just the strength yeah. in the character once the helmet came off, and and. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool. I'm not sure how I feel about... I, I, okay, I liked that she was sort of the infancy of the, the rebellion. I was okay with that. But that Han contributed and bankrolled it was weird. But but still, that character to me was was a good, effective character. And I like... Two of those three characters I liked were new characters to the universe. And, and that's... I didn't have not thought and, that that's where I'd lean because of so nostalgic for my... the like your, your favorites, Luke, Leia, and so forth. But this was... Uh, they were cool characters to me, and there are two new female characters as well, mm-hmm. which is something. And it, that's a, I mean, just and good gonna, ones. Well, good ones, but you know, another big blowback is that it doesn't. This film doesn't pass the Bechdel test or whatever it is, where two female characters have to have a conversation that doesn't involve a male, and the only char- conversation we have is between L <laughs> three and Kira, mm-hmm. and they're talking about uh, uh, Lando, freaky so, robot sex with Lando. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so. He didn't bang a robot. It's well established. Canon. He didn't bang the robot. I think she says that that he has the hots for her, which implies that she was not sure, which means that there has been no banging. (laughs) She did also confirm that they're compatible. It works, and that it works. works. Well, but but she banged something or one, but not him yet. We talked about the box office being soft for Solo, but what role does the frequency of these movies play? In your mind, and like, what what should the frequency of Star Wars movies be? So, Carson. Okay, so the studio won't won't go about this at all because there's more movie to be more money to be made by frequent releases. But like, for fans who have gone ten plus years between films, I could easily go two plus years between films. And me as a fan, I'd be so pumped and excited for that release. It'll never happen, but I. I'm not sure how I feel about going to a Star Wars film every six months, especially if they're not all going to be great, well-rounded, well-developed films. And Dan is on to something, right? Like, how does Marvel get away with this to a point where we're we're totally cool with it? We love the films. We keep going back. I hate something them. new. I hate them with wow. every. Go ahead. But but maybe like I don't know where you're a comic book reader as a kid. Yeah, yeah. And very much. And too, Marvel. But I very just much. Maybe so. that would transfer. I thought. What's my my theory is that it's too much dessert. It's okay. all every wish fulfilled That's in these true. films. And I don't want every, I, I want, like, I just think they give us too much too fast. Mm-hmm. And I think people now go dutifully to see those films, but I don't think it's, there's joy in it. Mm. I, that's that's what I see. <laughs> yes, I just think I'm I sit there obligated watching, to go see Black Panther. Well, what's marketing? Marketing is habit forming behavior. Yeah. So way to go. The marketing mm-hmm. worked and, and God bless them. But I, I just don't – I thought Black Panther and I thought Infinity War were just stinky, like on a level that that, that – I can't believe you liked it. But on a massive level of disappointment, I would put those right up at the well, top. I'll wrap They're it the up. the most popular films in their franchise. <laughs> That's the other yeah, thing. exactly. Yeah. That's right. And there's no accounting for taste. But go ahead. Well, I'll wrap it up. <laughs> but just, just, just by saying that, like, for me, the magic of Star Wars was the anticipation um, and – I think that's that's no longer uh, you know evident. I'm not seeing that. I'm not feeling it in the same way. And I know I'm 42. I'm not 12. But I think I'd like to still have some of that magic. 
But part of Star Wars is bringing the childlike yeah, excitement maybe. alive in in and Star Wars has always been all ages entertainment right from the word go. Like adults loved it, kids loved it. Mm-hmm. It was appropriate. It was like for families. It was really for it was like the classic for everyone media. But now we live in a niche media world. So maybe that that sometimes I I make myself sad by thinking maybe I would just can't get excited about a Star Wars film like I could when I was nine years old, right? So I don't know. See, for me, Is though, over? I, I could up until Solo. And again, oh. I don't think it's the movie's fault. I think it's the circumstances' fault, right? It's uh, You mentioned the Marvel's movies, and I, I, don't have, I don't need to say too much about this because I think Kenton and Carson basically summarized all of my feelings on, on this aspect of it pretty effectively, but it's diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. And I think the Marvel Universe, when I compare how, I, how excited I was to go see the first Iron Man movie mm-hmm. with how excited I was to go see Doctor Strange... There just isn't any comparison. I I loved Infinity War. I'm still out to see every Marvel movie on opening weekend. Still out to see every Star Wars movie on opening weekend. But that childlike excitement, Mm -hmm. that giddiness, that, yes, today I get to see a new Star Wars movie. It just wasn't there this time. And again, not because of the movie, not because of Alden Ehrenreich, not because of changes in directors, just because of that loss of anticipation, mm-hmm. just straight up diminishing returns, I think. You know what Star Wars would never get away with? I need six stones in my gauntlet, <laughs> and each one is a painfully boring plot point, which I will speak on in very long, laborious monologues over the course of a two-and-a-half-hour film. I just think we give a pass to Marvel where we will not give it to Star Wars. Or they can just have another uh, space station that blows up a planet. We can do that story for the That's, fourth time. That needs to go. <laughs> yeah. Even the trench run in uh, Force Awakens. Or, oh, like yeah. I'm not a I'm not a massive fan of the Force Awakens. Are the Awakens. Infinity Stones mm-hmm. not not somewhat analogous to? Um, Catwalks without railings in the Star Wars universe. No, they're instance, an egg. Or <laughs> precariously placed buttons and switches, which I've I thought have always been a very I, core aspect of Star Wars plotting. I think how many Infinity Stones were there, by the way? Seven, six, six. 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 Okay, so oh, I guess they're the first time. Oh my god! So there's that. Oh, how how could I forget after those laborious plot Space points? Time soul. <laughs> That's right. All right. So those six infinity zones are six MacGuffins. It's like the idea like one is not enough. We must have six MacGuffins now. I'd rather have, I would take one little thing without railings per film than (laughs) six. Like we need six catwalks without railings now. Like that's sort of like, that's the the problem is superheroes follow a genre. Sci-fi follows a genre. And how can you keep it? being new and fresh when these tropes are kind of at, at this point like what do fans want do they want the same old tropes or do they want something new so so think, kelly can I just two seconds yeah. kelly spoke about the aesthetic and about that um i don't know if it was an art director but how the cinematographer bradford young the cinematographer right, yeah. how he wanted to make it look like a specific aesthetic mm-hmm. here's a really cool idea what if they did everything they possibly could and i don't just mean aesthetically but in every aspect of the film to give us a film that looked like it came out in 1986. Do you know what I mean? Like that yeah. to me would be the next level of nostalgia, next level of capturing what I know Star Wars to be. But I think we make 2018 films, right? We make films That's that, right. that yeah. have the pacing of a 2018 film and, and, and we don't stop for dialogue unless you're Thanos, I suppose. But uh, Ooh, so boy, anyway, that to me would be dialogue. a cool project. Yeah. How about your next, uh, you know, design and aesthetic and creative decisions be based around, um, a period from you know the 80s or something 
don't know. Sorry if nope. that's interesting. Oh, yeah, I would like to see Rogue One kind of still kind of feel like a 1970s uh, shot film. You know, they kind of found the right balance, but it was mm-hmm. still, you know, it's a modern film. Uh, but well, maybe it wasn't so modern because they killed everyone off, which is maybe a mm-hmm. throwback to older films where you would kill, you could, you know, kill off the whole cast. The Dirty Dozen or, mm-hmm. you know. Any of yeah. those, yeah. Uh, but for frequency, I think yeah, it was too short, and as well, it was like a, a film that it wasn't just it wasn't connecting with audiences. There was too many problems with production, and it just the, fi- the final product was not enticing enough to get you amped up for yeah. this film. And you know, it was kind of overshadowed by Deadpool two and Infinity War. Uh, so I think if they could maybe at least one or two years and just have a great product, and I think people will get excited again. Mm-hmm. If you again, if you just oh, we're gonna rest on our laurels and just hey people will come show up to star wars because it said star wars and i think that was kind of maybe the attitude where we're going to do a four-month marketing campaign and we're not going to do the trailer and you know until super bowl whereas the other films would at least have an eighth month uh campaign where you get you excited where you know one trailer in the spring another in the summer and fall and kind of get you amped up where this was just kind of like condensed and it just never felt like a must-see opening night movie to me and uh, a lot of people well the habit forming behavior for star wars has now been christmas uh, I, yeah and i think that's what they sh- they should stay mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. um as far as i know episode nine is slated for christmas of 2019 right. so i think that's the, that, that to me i'm like I, I associate christmas i used to associate it with the harry potter films and also lord of the rings always came out at christmas time so i think it's a great tradition to go see a certain type of movie at that time of year and i i have no problem seeing a star wars movie every year i, I can still get excited i think this one was too close to I, there's a, all the stuff you guys said absolutely was a factor in this so it's a perfect comedy of of uh you know all these things coming together but what we might find is that once they keep, if they keep doing these anthology films, is that Rogue One was the exception to the rule as far as it did really well, but these other ones might not ever do as well as the saga films. And I'm okay with that. I think a lot of Rogue One was playing off the excitement of Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I it also had yeah. X-Wings and Darth Vader and, and the Death Star. Yeah. It, was a, it felt more like a traditional Star Wars movie than even the Force Awakens did, kind of. And I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens after Episode Nine Because after Episode Nine, to a certain extent, they're going to have to... They're in a transitionary period, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to have to lean away from nostalgia and into deciding what is the new Star Wars going to be, the, the genuinely new Star Wars going to be. How do we move forward from the end of the Skywalker saga, which really 7, 8, and 9 is still dealing with? Um, what do we do beyond that? How do we leave that nostalgia behind and create Star Wars that, from a marketing perspective, is what they have to do, that, that attracts a new generation of fans? I think the proof will really be in what happens after Episode 9 as far as whether they can survive and, and whether whether they can put down that crutch of nostalgia and still have a Star Wars universe that steals as, that feels as vital and exciting to me as the current one does. There's so much in production, though. I don't think that we're going to solve the problem of too much Star Wars. Yeah. If anything, yeah. that's that's the future. The future of Star Wars is too much Star Wars for everybody. So you're, you're going to have to choose your fandom within the fandom in terms of what it is that you want to take in. But after this solo movie... Um, are you going to rush to the next Star Wars or are you going to, how are you feeling about it? Opening weekend. It will, I, as I, always. Yeah. That's not going to change for me. Yeah. Opening weekend. No. I opening might weekend, not. If that tra- if the trailer drops and it's amazing, I'll be there. If but it, maybe not. I, maybe, but you definitely, yeah, yeah, you never know if it's like, doesn't like, eh, I'll uh, see it. And uh, I, I won't have the butterflies the in my stomach, but I will be there. <laughs> I'll, I will try to do opening night still. I love, I love opening night. I had a great time. All right. 
Thanks, guys, for coming in. Yeah, thank, thank you. A lot of fun. you. Thanks of fun. to our guests. And we need to have you in for, I think, a, even a wider-ranging discussion where Chris and Kelly and Carson have hours to spare. We can sit down <laughs> and we can talk for that. three hours. I think we need, like fun. I think we need to get it out of our systems. All right. <laughs> and, then, and then I can tell you about how much I hate the third movie in The Lord of the Rings as well. Oh, man. But we didn't have time Looking for it today. To that too. I hate it more than Thanos. Sorry, go ahead. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Star Wars Nerds Podcast. I'm Dan Vatabonker. I'm Kenton Larson. Don't let the force hit you on the ass. Okay, four, two, one, you copy. Now I am the master. I'm taking an awful risk, man. This had better work. Where did you dig up that old fossil?